What is up, everybody? This is Ryan here for The Scale-Up Show. I have a 22-year SaaS veteran, Karina Ludwig. She was absolutely awesome. This, this episode is totally unique because she came away and shared the top 11 things she learned from 22 years in SaaS. She's the president of this company and really, really great insights for anyone who is going through the journey right now, is an early stage. Uh, and we go through like a top 11 list step by step. And then I drill down. She absolutely crushed it. You're not going to want to miss this totally different format than normal. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions. And this show is the answer. Welcome everyone to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley. And I have a very special guest today. I have Karina Ludwig, who is the president of Function Fox. She's been in SaaS for over 22 years. And based on my research, is one of the most highly capital efficient SaaS companies out there. Uh, in her free time, she spends time with her husband and her three great Danes and her cat, and even has a culinary business. Karina, touched them all. How's it going? Good. Thanks for having me on the show. This is great. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited, especially with what you, you were telling me that um, you learned a massive amount of things over your experience and what you do if you do it over again. So we're going to get into that in one second. But before we do, I want to give everyone a quick context of where you're at kind of in the stage of the journey outside of the timelines, right? So we'll do a real quick revenue rundown. So where are you at in terms of your ARR? Yeah, I mean, we're we're a private company, so we don't share a lot of our financials, but we've been profitable for, we've been running for 22 years. We're in the millions uh, and had profit every year since we hit profitability sort of in year four and a half, year five, somewhere in there. And um, yeah, we just keep growing every year. Okay, excellent. Well, congrats on that. And um, I guess based on what you just said, are you bootstrapped or funded? We're bootstrapped. So we started off with half a million dollars uh, from friends and family. We had one larger investor, but really it was, you know, 500,000 that we started with. And we've only used our profits to continue to grow the business. We've never gone for seed funding or anything in addition to that and really just used our own profits to continue to grow. That's awesome. I can't wait to hear the breakdown of that coming up. So what's your primary go-to-market strategy for revenue growth? Yeah, so it's shifted over the years. Um, Definitely our strategies have changed. The biggest portion of our revenue comes from referrals. So being in business for so long and being the primary or one of the pioneers in the industry when we started, we really had good market share in terms of, you know, the, the company to go to if you're looking for time tracking and project management. And then over the years, things have shifted. We've gotten, uh, you know, revenue and clients from all sorts of different areas. And we can get into that a little bit more. But the primary one has always been uh, referrals. Love referrals. Today's the day of referrals. That was uh, one of my my prior guests today was talking about that. We jammed on that a little bit too. And so can you walk through your solution really quick? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's time tracking, project management, really an online software solution. So a SaaS-based business where it's subscription-based. People are coming in. They're using us to track their clients, their projects, their staff, fill out through invoicing that we offer and increase the revenue to do that. Excellent. Well, let's get into it because I'm excited to hear, you know, kind of your lessons learned and 
this is going to be unique because we haven't really done this on the show before, but you mentioned you had a little list of uh, top, mm-hmm. top things you've learned over, you know, your time and in, in terms of having a SaaS company and bootstrapping. So why, have at it, walk us through it. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. So I think, you know, some of them is top 10 list, right? And I can go into detail on a lot of these, but really if I was doing this all over again, and I started this, uh, I was 25 at the time. There's things that I wish I would have done a little bit differently. I think I'm, you know, very happy with where we're at. Really uh, profitable company, great terms of staff and leadership and nothing that I regret doing. But just if I were starting out and for your listeners to get real meat out of this uh, podcast, you know, what would I do differently? So I'll give you the highlights and we can dive into any of them. Stop me if you want to hear more. Um, the first one is having a really clear mission and vision. Now that sounds really, you know, of course, it's just really straightforward. But if you don't know where you're going or what your true end goal is, um, I find that you can get unfocused by looking at what everyone else is doing. So staying true to the company mission, the company's visions, goals, market strategy, and then what's your North Star? So, and we struggled that for, for many years, like what's that big number or what's that big vision that we're going for and how do we plan to get there? And knowing that and giving that to all of your staff and hiring based on that. So people are really clear before they come in, do I want to jump on this train? And, and do I believe in that North Star? Do I believe in the purpose of the company? So that would be number one. Wait, let me, yeah. this is good. Jump this in. is good. So, okay. um, so what is your big vision and your, your North Star then? So it's changed over the years. The the constant has always been to help creative companies succeed. So we focus on creative professionals and helping them succeed, not just in selling them software, but we actually advise them on their business. So that has been our constant over the years. And then we've added in certain milestones along the way. So we've said we want to hit a certain revenue goal. So our first 1,000 customers was like a milestone that we wanted to hit. And we put rewards against it. So we all went to Hawaii, the management team and some of the staff at the time, you know, when we hit that revenue goal. Along the way, we're like, okay, we want to hit this this year or in the next five years, we want to hit this. And we'll take the entire team to Vegas, including all your spouses, if we hit that. We did. We took 35 people to Vegas and, you know, full full five days or whatever of craziness. But having that sort of alignment, whatever that North Star or whatever that next thing is, and getting your team engaged to really believe in it, and then doing all the stuff around it. So we did all this gambling stuff, and we had things that really echoed with what we were doing on where we were going and making it really fun. So it's not just like coming to work every day, but you know, you're actually rallying around the idea and vision that you have. Love it. All right. Well, that's awesome. Sorry. I I was just looking for a little more color commentary, which was awesome. So uh, let's pop to number two. Number two, be niche focused. So I think starting out, people want to be everything for everyone and they want to have the biggest market possible. We did the opposite. We said we want to be really focused on creative professionals. My background is in design. Our, um, the founders of the company background in design as well and a lot of the staff that we first hired. So we've said we want to be there for creative professionals. We know that background. We know the language that they speak. If we build a product that is really geared to them, They're going to see us as the expert as opposed to the generalist out there. We said, we'll stop doing that when we run out of, you know, who to sell to. And we're still doing it 22 years later. The more focused you can be, the better your marketing spend is, the better your sales staff is. They can be really focused. And when someone comes in and says, you know, is this for me? 
and you're speaking their language and you're giving them advice and insights on their business and understand all their terminology, it's just a win-win for everyone. So that would be number two. Yeah, I think that's that's critical. And I think it's awesome that, I mean, that just proves that if you're doing it 22 years later, you know, there's there's a, a lot of runway to do that. And like, I've done that with teams before where we verticalized in like the top three, right? For a, for a horizontal slash shoot, oh yeah, horizontal SaaS solution, we verticalized it. And what I'm always seeing consistently is even with a horizontal solution that goes across multiple areas, you'll still find 70 to 80% of your revenue across like three or four verticals, which is really interesting. So um, yeah. And, and we still have other, we don't say no to other companies. We've got cleaning companies and funeral homes and all sorts of, you know, pharmacists, and real estate and all that, but the real true core has always been great professionals. Okay. Awesome. Let's go to number three. Hire slow, fire fast. And I can't <laughs> stress that enough. And, you know, that's a, that's a term out there. People have heard that before. It's nothing new, but I really believe in it. We take a really long time to hire. And in our books, a long time is a couple of weeks, but really thorough. So we get tons of candidates. We really dive into kind of what their needs are. And it's not so much can you do the role, but are you the right person for our team? And are you aligned with what where we're going and what we're doing? We've hired, um, like we hired a chef who had never been in an office before and never been on the phone before, hired him uh, for sales just because he had the right attitude. And he became one of our top salespeople for 10 years running. So, um, you know, more than 50% of our staff have been there for more than 10 years. So it's a long-term team uh, that's been with us and finding good quality people. And if they're not, and, you know, definitely we've hired some questionable uh, people for our group, we move them along quickly just because it's better for everyone on the team and better for them as well. I love that retention. It just shows, uh, obviously, you're executing on number one really well. And then, you know, number two, if you have 50% for over 10 years, that's that's fantastic. So, all right, number four. Culture. Culture is key. It kind of ties into the last one. But you're only as good as you te- your team, right? So focus on the people, focus on the culture. We spend so much of our lives at work and you want to make it a place where you want to be, right? So set good values, communicate often, be honest, direct, treat people with decency. I think that's all common sense, but we see a lot of other players in the market that really treat their team as assets and I can just replace you. Um, and we really have not done that at our at our office. And, and that's, I mean, that's good. That's why your retention's so high, I imagine. Anything you do to instill outside of kind of what you're saying, those milestone celebrations, anything else that you do that uh, to bring a lot of fun to the office or just the simple day-to-day? Yeah, that's a whole podcast by itself. So <laughs> I actually, I did a list. Um, it's on one of my LinkedIn posts of like 50 things that we do that is really different than other people. I mean, now that we're a remote team, we've done things like, you know, everyone receives like a full cake, a six inch mocha tort cake on a certain day when they're least expecting it. And, you know, like it's stuff like that, that when, how often does that happen? Um, It's helping people buy houses or it's, you know, it's doing things that go, okay, what do you want to do? How do you want to grow? Not just in your role, but in your personal life. And how can we help you get there? Um, so, you know, there's tattoo, there's one of our staff members no longer with us, but he's got a tattoo, a function Fox tattoo on him, you know, like I would have never said, Hey, go get a function Fox tattoo, but people are doing incredible things 
by being at our company and um, yeah, good okay. culture and good focus leads to that for sure. Do you have a function flex tattoo? No. And I would never <laughs> get one. <laughs> and when I'm 80, it's, it's, I don't want to, I don't want a function flex tattoo. I might, you know, get a temporary one and I do, I've got a, I've got a branding, you know, logo on my car, but that's about it. <laughs> I'm like, did you ever shave one on your dog? I mean, we, we, no, I mean, Karina, we no. got we to step it up here a little bit, you know? I mean, <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. In, okay. in context, the, the person has a lot of other tattoos, but. Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's not like the, the, the biggest one on that person's no, back or anything. No, definitely like not. Okay. Yeah. Number, number five. Yeah. Uh, number five, have something amazing to offer. Obviously we wouldn't be in business if we didn't have a good quality product. So whether you're selling a product or a service, make sure that it's good, it's solid, it's reliable. Um, we've kept ours really simple. So not too simple to make it featureless, but simple enough that people can get in there, use it, less than 4% use the help files. And it's just really important to have a good, solid product, especially if you're SaaS. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. Do you have like a core framework? We don't need to go super deep, but just to create an amazing product um, that, that you use as a company or you've leveraged personally um, to, to make that a reality. Yeah. One of the questions that we ask is 80% of our group going to use this feature. And if they're not, then we do it as sort of an add-on or something that most people won't see to satisfy, satisfy a smaller group. But is it core to the whole group that we're serving? Is it, you know, creative professional related? Is it something that's going to grow with them? Or is this just a nice to have? So ask yourself the right questions. What's it going to take to put it in place? What's it going to take to maintain everything that you add? You have to maintain. So is it worth that in the long run? Um, and at the end of the day, is it simple? right? There's some really complicated user interfaces. Can we simplify it? Can we move the buttons around? Can we take this off? How can we make it a really nice user experience so that people want to be in that software every day? Okay. That, that, uh, that definitely makes sense. All right. Number six. Know your KPIs and follow them. And, you know, finance is obviously the finance side is really important. If you don't have the revenue and you don't have the, the right KPIs, uh, your business isn't going to last too long. So depending on what your business is, those KPIs may be different. And they may be different depending on where you are in your business. So when we first started, it was like, how many customers can we get? How long can we keep them? You know, are they buying the next month? Are we, you know, is it a next year? How many annuals can we have? How many monthlies can we have? And then that's obviously changed over the years. And, you know, what's the cost for acquisition and, and different things that come later on. But I would say start small, focus on one thing and whatever you're focusing on and measuring will actually improve. So just make sure that you put the right KPIs in place for your business follow those and then add on to them as those are sort of tackled and achieved. Okay. And, and what's your, what's your cadence then for, 
for optimizing those? Because obviously, if you're if you're tracking the KPIs, you're optimizing them consistently. Like, how do you kind of approach that from a weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual approach? Yeah, so for sales is an easy one. Um, You can track your duration of how long are your team on the phone for. For us, the longer we know the stat is, the longer they're on the phone, the longer they're going to more likely going to close that sale. Um, It's not always the case, but usually that's how it is. So what's your duration on the phone? How many calls are you making? You know, what's your we call it a phone utility. So what's your percentage of your day that you're on the phone? And we know that the top performing sales reps are on the phone more than the ones that aren't. So we put in benchmarks. We said, okay, this is the minimum. And you need to be at least at this level if you're going to be a long-term salesperson. So people can come in, they know what the benchmarks are, they know whether what their performance is, and they can see, okay, the top performers are here. If I want to be a top performer, this is what I need to do. So those are really helpful, not only for us to sort of use that as a metric in terms of reviews and that sort of thing, but also for them to go, okay, if I want to make X amount of sales or I want to have X amount of commission, this is what I need to do on a daily basis to get there. So they're very helpful for the team as well as for the company. Okay, so you publish up those where you said in the office or on the yeah the so it's a, it's a we're a remote company so it's all internal and people can see that every single you know second if they want to how many calls have i made anyone in the company can see it so um, it's we have various dashboards one for the sales team one for the service team we've got a development dashboard we've got a corporate dashboard and of course it's taken us years to develop those and you can buy them off the shelf too um, but for us, we've just modified what we've needed over the years and added in things that we want to measure. And again, if you start measuring them, people will look at those and they'll start to perform to those. So that's always oh, been yeah. very helpful. That's good. That's good. It sounds like you have it down to a science. How, so the, I guess like as a follow up, what I was trying to understand too is like if you, as as a leadership team, right, for mm-hmm. you, and, you and the team, I, I know they're visible 24-7, it sounds like, or in real time. But like when how long how, how often do you take a step back and really analyze like, OK, these are the gaps. These are the ones we need to lean in more to. Like, how often do you do that? And what's your process for that? Yeah, I would say all the time. Right? Um, I think it, it comes down to where the business is struggling. And if you can identify this is an area where we need help, like our sales are. Year on year, of course, people will look at that. We look at breakdown into quarters. And then from those quarters, we say, what are the key rocks that we're going to focus on this quarter? How does that break down into the sales quarters? What are the top three things that we're going to work on? Um, And we've really simplified it. So instead of saying, oh, we're going to do all these things this year, we say, what are the top 12 things that this department is going to do? Each quarter, what are those top three things? What are the most important things that we want to get done, whether it be referrals or, you know, a new department, customer base or whatever it may be. And so really focusing around that and then looking and saying, you know, back to your question, how often do we look at that? It really every quarter, right? So we're looking at it every month. If this is the top rock for this quarter, then monthly we're looking at that. And then that comes down into the sales meeting and go, okay, here's where we're at this week for this particular quarter or for this particular um, goal that we have this quarter. Uh, So all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. No, that's, that's really good. And, and I mean, I I think, um, 
that's that's how you create the systems that you're talking about, right? Where you have everything mm-hmm. optimized in real time and visibility and top performers. And so I think that's awesome. So uh, what about number seven? Use your strengths to your advantage. So um, hire for what you don't have. For example, my background is in advertising and design. I don't have a true business background. Of course, I took business courses and marketing courses, but my true background is, has always been creative. I'm a designer by trade. So having someone on the team, your core management team, uh, we're all very different. We're like the Seinfeld, right? One of in each quarter. And so we don't really cross over that much. And someone's really a good expert in their area. So someone that's totally in charge of customer service and handles all of that and has a lot of expertise in what they do and working with the customers. Then we have, um, you know, sales is its own department and it really focused on the sales growth and how do we get more prospects and the nurturing, the hunting, gathering and all of that. Um, So that group, and then we've got the true business side of it. So the technical side of things, you know, how are we setting up servers? How are we gonna grow the business? Do we have the stability to do that? product set all of that and and then the business side of it you know the long-term vision and growth and and where are we going and how what's the strategy to get there and so really putting those four together and in our team that's four sort of separate people you really have a strong business if you try to do everything yourself it's challenging and i i commend the people that do that but have a partner and if you're not good at something own up to that. I'm not great at finances. It's an area I just don't enjoy. And so I lean on others for that. Same with the technical stuff. You know, I run a tech company, but I'm not the tech expert. And I lean on really good people that have that as their primary. And so focus on your strengths, know what you're not good at and hire for those that you don't have. So let me ask you that. So how did the product get created then originally, since you don't have a tech background? Like how did you make that a reality? Yeah, so the business was grown out of a a creative agency. So the creative agency was looking for a time tracking and project management solution. Couldn't find one. This we're talking back in 2000 before, you know, even people were doing online banking. So we couldn't find one. We built one ourselves because we needed it for ourselves. And that's how the company was born. So it was born out of a need and we knew what we needed because we had the advertising design background. We didn't build it to build a company or to, you know, build a million dollar company. We built it because we needed it for ourselves. And that's, I think, where the the best companies are born. Excellent. All right. Number eight. Surround yourself with great allies and mentors. It kind of touches into the last one, but Networking is huge. I never really realized that till much later in the game. The people that you know and the people that you can rely on, there's lots of people that have gone that path before you. So learn from them, you know, find out, put yourself into uncomfortable situations and like just absorb. Um, You know, I was always reluctant to kind of go to meetings or events or things where I wasn't the smartest person in the room and really you never want to be you want to be the person that's there and absorbing and learning and just to get more information um, and eventually give it back as well but I found that you can advance your business a lot faster if you're well connected and you can lean on other people for advice and support so how do you personally tactically execute that yeah, so there's a couple things like I set myself, I'm an introvert by nature, I don't like to go out, but I set myself a goal of 100 networking events in one year. 
And wow. so I said, I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to say yes to everything. You kind of have to say yes to everything in, in a small community that I live in. Um, so I did things like I don't drink, but I went to a whiskey tasting with our local MP. I don't talk politics and I don't drink whiskey. And I went to that event and I was so out of my element. But I made some great connections, even some connections that I'm still talking to today. And so, you know, it's things like that. I've been to events where I'm the only female in the room of 30, 40 people and, you know, thinking I am fully out of my zone here. I'm out of place. But the networking, the connections and what you can learn in a room like that is really uh, influential and can be really good for your business. So that's what I'd recommend. That's true. That's true. I leaned into that a lot, actually, during the pandemic and met some amazing people. Mm -hmm. Virtually, I kind of leaned into it because I, I was used to doing it in a different way, um, mm-hmm. in person, more client based. But um, yeah, that's 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 awesome. I love that you went to a, a political whiskey event, and that's those are that's not your jam for either one of us. So <laughs> props to you for uh, for making that happen because uh, I don't know if I would I, I don't know if I would do that even you know what I'm no. introverted so. My girlfriend was going, she's like, come on, I thought you wanted to go to 100 events. I'm like, I do, but this is way out of my zone. She's like, come on, I'll be fine. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, number nine. uh, Take calculated risks and make mistakes. So I think I was definitely a person that, you know, I want to be a perfectionist. I always want to do the right thing and I don't want to make mistakes. And especially as a leader for the team, you also don't want to make mistakes but really important and you learn from those mistakes and own up to it, right? Just say to your team, like, we're going to try it. Who knows if it'll work? Oh, it didn't work. Oh, well, we'll try something else. And I think, you know, if you're vulnerable and you're um, keen to try something, you know, take small risks, right? I'm not saying put the farm on the table, but um, we did a lot of things along the way that I wish we would have done differently. I wish we would have in- invested in Google long before we did. When we finally did, it was almost too late. I mean, we, it was good run, but had we have done that earlier, that would have been uh, very profitable for our business. So things like that. Um, yeah, just do things that you wouldn't normally do and take some risks that you wouldn't normally otherwise say yes to. So do you, now that you've gone through that, do you budget for like an experimental fund that you have for for things like that? Or how do you kind of approach that fiscally? Yeah, so there's things, you know, people approach us and say, hey, you know, we think you should be X partner with us or you should do this with us. And we've been doing it for so long that you kind of know, okay, this is going to be a dud. But we always, I always listen to those. I always say, yes, I'll call you back or let's schedule a meeting. Let's explore it. And, you know, maybe there's something there, probably not, but I'm willing to hear you out. And so, um, you know, in terms of budgeting, we usually say, okay, we'll throw X amount, whatever you feel comfortable. For us, it might be 500 or $1,000. We'll try that for a thousand bucks. And then if we see traction, we'll throw another five grand or 10 grand. And we've started with some of those ventures like that where we'll just invest a couple hundred bucks and now we're spending close to two or $300,000 with them. So it's worth the risk even just to take the time and the effort to listen to whatever that um, partnership or venture is that crosses, you know, your table. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause um, I just did something like that. I, I did a, a paid, I haven't, haven't had the call yet. So I'll let you know, but with um, basically a paid consulting call with one of the top or uh, actually Mr. Beast YouTube guy. So cool. basically the top YouTuber in the world. And um so anyways, just just made me think of that because I was like, hey, this is this is one of those experimental things. 
Maybe it'll go somewhere, maybe I'll not. So, all right, suspense is killing me. What's number 10? Well, I actually have 11. Oh, <laughs> A bonus, a bonus. I'll give bonus you a bonus. One. Bonus, okay. All right, so number, number 10 is celebrate your wins and your success. So along the way, really important to do that. I, I touched on that earlier, right? So trip to Hawaii, trip to Vegas, um, big rewards for the team. Everyone's going to get a thousand bucks if we do this or whatever the milestone is that you can put in place for your team or, you know, huge Christmas party or whatever the thing may be that gets your team excited. Sometimes it's individual. So everyone's going to get an individual reward. We've done it where, you know, if we hit this milestone, you're going to get thousand dollars to spend on whatever that is. What is that for you? Oh, I want a new TV. I want to get a thousand bucks worth of tattoos, which was actually somebody's. Um, so whatever it is that's meaningful for them so that they can really buy into the vision of where you're trying to go. Uh, so celebrate the wins, celebrate the successes and, um, you can't control everything in this business, but the stuff that you can control, celebrate those. Yeah, definitely. All right, number 11. This is just a bonus. bonus. And I think a bonus, uh, just be yourself. I mean, it, it sounds ridiculous, right? Who are you going to be anything but yourself? But the more authentic, the more you're just yourself, I think the more trusting you can be to others. So I used to try and put on this front and I was 25 and I'm like, I have to seem older and act more professional and, you know, just be yourself, be yourself with the team and open up and say, you know what? I totally screwed up on this. Like, crap, we're going to have to start from scratch or I have no idea what I'm doing, but let's rally together and figure out how to get there. So I think the more that your team can learn from you or that you can learn from your team and the more honest and authentic you can be, the better culture you'll have and the better company you'll have overall. Yeah. Yeah. That's really true. Uh, radical candor within there. And then just, uh, I love it. I, I messed up. I have no idea what I'm doing with this. I messed up. <laughs> so, but that's going to happen when you experiment, right? So, um, okay. So we talked about the past and then I want to end the show on the future, right? So what are you most excited about and in, in the view, in the future of tech that's going to happen over the next three to five years? Yeah, I wish I, I wish I had that crystal ball like everyone, right? If you were to look back and say, oh, I wonder where we'll be in two years just before the pandemic, no one would have expected that, or at least I didn't. Sure. Um, we were, uh, you know, we were an in-office uh, team. Now we're 100% remote. Fast forward two years. I know where we'll be is we'll be happy, we'll be killing it, we'll be profitable, we'll have a great, amazing culture. I don't see any of that changing. We're still going to be uh, focused on creative professionals. And I feel that the future is always going to be bright for us because we have that mindset. Where exactly that will be, who knows, really. But um, let's fast forward in a couple of years and see if that rings true. I'm sure it will. Love the positivity. Great way to, great way to end the episode. So. We went, we went a little bit over, but it was totally worth it. So, however, where can people find you on LinkedIn or any other social platforms and where can they find out more about Function Box? Yeah, no problem. So LinkedIn, obviously, um, Karina Ludwig, uh, and then Function Fox, it's functionfox.com. You can get to our website and all the details from there. Awesome. Well, thank you for putting together the, uh, the list of 10 with the bonus one or 11, whatever we want to call it. You know, it was awesome having... A, a female uh, CEO or leader from Canada as well on here. Uh, so thank you so much for being on the show. I had a blast. Yeah, likewise. Thanks so much, Ryan. All right. We'll see you all on the next episode. Thank you for checking out the Scale Up Show. 
My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.